Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. Welcome, podcast listeners. I'm with Terrence Moore, a photographer. Thanks for joining. Glad to be here. Uh, Terrence, so the, the um, you've had a book out. Of, it's called Route 66 um, about the open road and the highways and sort of what the inspiration was around that adventure. Uh, you know, take us back down. You know, the 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 rolling past, if you will. The the what kind of what piqued your curiosity about this subject matter, um, but also maybe about you know just with neon in general. Well, initially, um, I. I just kind of got onto neon, you know, like a lot of people have just because it was such an inspiring, you know, visual medium. And, uh, uh, I, I just happened to kind of fall into the 66 niche. So my book, which is titled 66 on 66, which was, uh, uh, focusing on, on lots of aspects of the road, but neon was a big part of it. And, uh, but I actually started shooting neon i was trying to think of some of the first shots i ever took deliberately and they, uh, oddly enough they weren't on 66 <laughs> but uh, it sort of it sort of came full circle and then uh the big thing with me in the in the highway that particular highway is uh um i i went to high school on it i grew up on it um and so it was kind of in my blood, even though I wasn't photographing it when I was really young. Um, uh, I didn't really start photographing it until I moved to Albuquerque, which was when I was actually out of college. And um, But I was really drawn to uh, the neon in Albuquerque and also to some of the other um, cool things that had been bypassed basically just a year or two before that you know, like trading posts and, you know, handmade signs and all that kind of thing. It really was exciting to me. And I realized that it it was just disappearing literally overnight. Mm-hmm. And, and were you what, always doing like, uh, like where, you know, photography comes in? Had you always been kind of like an artistic uh, kid growing up, you know, where you're taking photos and like all this documentation going on? Did you have kind of uh, an experience that kind of pushed you in that direction? Um, well, I guess, I guess the big thing was, is I always liked photography since I was probably in sixth grade, but then I sort of got away from it in high school. I had so much else going on. I, I didn't think about it too much and I sure wish I had. And then in college, it was the same thing. You know, I was just kind of involved in what I was doing and, and, uh, but the, t- but I guess my senior year in college, I had a girlfriend that was very arty. And she started pushing photography and, you know, we we're discussing and talking about. Then I had another friend, Clark Warswick, who I met, who actually was a big contributor of my book, um, who really inspired me as well. And so I, I just got out there and, and decided I was I was living in Southern California and I didn't really like it. And I I was ready for a change. So I moved to New Mexico. And that's when I really considered myself that day I got there truly being a photographer. So I started uh, just doing things on my own as most people do. But then I ended up having a fairly successful career as a 
what I call, uh, some people don't particularly like this term, I was a photojournalist. You know, I worked mostly for magazines. I worked mostly on assignment. Mm-hmm. And well, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I think, uh, you know, it probably gave you a license to be a little, I guess, you know, everybody has to kind of do what they can to, you know, obviously provide it in, 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 in a constructive way, on a constructive level. It probably gave you a lot of experience for when you did want to go out there and shoot something a little bit more personal. For instance, like, you know, you talked about those editorials and since the construction of, you know, the internet, we've have less to do with print, but all that probably has a lot, a lot to do with how you've developed not only just a book. I mean, cause creatively books are pretty complicated to put together. I mean, they're probably simple to look at and obviously everyone thinks they can got a great idea to make one. But it's a different story when you kind of sit down to actually do some of this stuff, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a big, a big uh, hunk of time and work and energy. But generally, it's well worth it. I, I've done four or five books now, and I've never made any money at all off of it. But I've always, I'm always pleased, you know, when it's over that that we've accomplished something. You know, that that's a really good feeling. And. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a thousand books on Route 66. I guess what kind of sets mine apart is that his mind goes back literally to 1970. So um, I sort of had to jump on uh, a lot of people who got involved, particularly after the road was um, uh, declared no longer an official U.S. highway in 1985. And when that happened, this renaissance came upon us and and all of a sudden, you know, everybody was photographing the road, and which is a wonderful thing. Um, but um, a lot of a lot of my images in the book, for instance, whether they're neon or other subjects, is uh, um, are images I took uh, between 1970 and 1985, because <clears throat> I wanted to show a lot of things that were gone, but I didn't want it to be just nostalgia. So I I included you know, at, at least 40, 40% of, of things that are still there and that anyone could, are, could um, experience today. You know, of course, we're always losing things. You know, um, I was listening to some of your other guests, you know, talking about how things, how fast things were disappearing, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind also of... Also, too, is like you're... I want to change the, you know, that that not making money off your book. I, I think a lot of people really should check it out. It, it, it's really an iconic, uh, I guess you could say, homage to the visual past, but also this idea of travelers and tourists and superhighways. You know, at one point, gradually, they fell out of use. Um, I think not, you know, not because of the car, but maybe because, you know, economic pressures. You've got things like gas and, and other things like that maybe uh, are playing at, at the same time. But, you know, I think those artifacts that we now dig up as being important, um, I like the idea that you, you didn't start it maybe during its heyday, right? Like all those photos that you had, you know, it's everyone's kind of celebrating it, but at the same time, you know, you've gotten kind of never before seen look at what it was like in the eighties, you know, like, was it, was it a place where you wanted to stop or was it a place that you had seen before? Like within these, I guess, established stretches from, you know, Chicago to Santa Monica, California, all this, uh, you know, when you talked about decertified federal highway, describe the route in just a few kind of sentences. Like what was it, what was your expectations when you kind of were putting all these images together? Was it easy for you to kind of make 
a catalog uh, of, uh, you know, sorts of different times where you were at? Yeah, it was relatively easy because there were just certain things that just sort of stood out over the years, you know, that I had, even though many of them hadn't been published. Um, a few of them had been because I worked on four different articles, actually, between 1976 and 1985 about the end of the highway. So that was, you know, those things had been published to a degree. And then uh, I just had a few favorite images and, and, and those sort of shined. And then uh, we started putting it together and Clark, Clark helped me a great deal. Clark is a photographer and photo historian and publisher. So he had a, um, a lot of background in, in putting something like this together and doing it in a simple fashion. I, I, I should tell you this, this is probably the best part about getting this particular book out. I've been thinking about it for years and I didn't think it was ever really gonna happen. And I had two or 300 images that I thought, oh gee, these would be perfect for this book. You know, I was stewing about it. You know, how do I put that many images in and not make it all cluttered? And, mm -hmm. and, and how do I decide ultimately which ones to use? And I was driving my wife crazy, you know, and, <laughs> and, and she finally said to me, she said, Terry, you're never going to do the book if you keep stewing about it. You just have to simplify it and um and cut it down and so it was her idea to do 66 images of 66 so i've got most of my favorite images in there but there are quite a few that aren't in there actually that i really love but it's it just made a nice little package and it was more manageable you know it was easier to put together because i'd probably still be stewing about it and and then since i did the book i started doing uh, Instagram posts with images from the book and other images that I have from different different uh, subjects all over the West, northern Mexico, and um, and then I'm writing a little bit about each thing every you know a few times a week for Facebook and Instagram, and uh, I I I tell little stories about the photo and and people I think many people I think love my stories as much as the photos themselves. And that's kind of opened my eyes. You know, a lot of people have said to me, well, why didn't you put all these stories in your book? Because there aren't any, you know, I just have an ID. You know, I said, this was in Holbrook, Arizona in 1984. And this was the, you know, the Navajo Motel. You know, I, I don't elaborate on it. And, uh, and since I've been elaborating, you know, people have really responded. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's interesting that when you look at some of them too, it's sort of you conjure up ideas of what you know these ideas of of these signs must mean to somebody passing by. But you know, there's a certain mysticism too, like when you haven't necessarily have been there, or you can even experience it on a level where you like go to your Instagram too, where you're creating not only just a kind of a snapshot of what happened at that time or when it was. But, you know, not everybody has to be experts. I think that's something that Neon really is good at is that it can be an image or it can be, you know, a story about it. Um, but it always kind of gives, I guess, some context as to what's going on. You know, do when you go and look at these places too, do do people that are, are coming out that you see on the road when you were taking these photos, you know, were you were they able to enjoy these too, or were they kind of going by while you took photos? Like, do you remember that time period when you were taking these photos? 
Yeah, oddly enough, I you know I do remember all of that pretty well. But to tell you the truth, uh, I haven't had as much interaction with people like that spontaneously as you'd think. Um, I was always amazed at um, how little contact I had with just people maybe making making a journey down 66, for instance. You know, um, it, it was just very few times when it all kind of coalesced. And uh, I think today, I think there are more people out there doing it, not just 66, but other, other cool roads or highways or boulevards, whatever it may be. Um, that are kind of interacting with one another and are more excited about it. I mean, that's what became clear to me, you know, listening to some of your other guests, you know, that it's become kind of a thing. So I'm sure, I'm sure if I were to go over, you and I were to hit the road tomorrow, you know, we'd run into a lot more people who'd have some interest in what we were up to. <laughs> yeah. But, well, which brings me interesting, like to the next question that I was thinking of is, like what kind of setup did you have then and what do you roll out with now? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this that probably want to take their first photograph and don't really know kind of the first thing about shooting neon or is it just get out there and take an image? Cause like kind of what you said is that, you know, you analyze it over and over. Of course you're making a, a book, you're putting your, you know, your work on the line, but you know, if you just want to, you know, kind of give some people advice, you know, how has that changed for you? Like, did you have a bunch of equipment that you went out with versus, you know, now are you shooting digitally now? I mean, probably. Yeah, I made, I, I was kind of a late bloomer in the sense of getting into digital photography. I mean, I've, I've done it now for pretty exclusively now for about 10 years. Uh, but previous to that, I shot film and, um, uh, and I really wanted to continue shooting film because I really liked it. And I'd say uh, probably half the images in my book, actually more than that, were shot on Kodachrome film, which is really dating the material as well as myself, you know, because that was just a real special film and gave a special look. And, and it was really wonderful. And, you know, the thing is about digital now is, um, it opens up a whole other kind of aspect of, of um, photography in the sense that there's so much detail. There's so many shades of gray or there's so many, uh, it's just, it fills in a lot of ga uh, gaps between, you know, light and dark. And um, it's really quite amazing. I mean, you've seen, you know, the big thing now is to shoot at night or shoot, you know, late in the day and do time exposures and, you know, long exposures and that kind of thing. And, and a lot of that stuff is really remarkable. And you could have never really quite pulled it off to the same degree with film because it just, in my mind, because it just, um, First of all, you didn't have the resolution, which I guess is a big part. So there's some mm -hmm. really amazing things happening now. And of course, as far as equipment goes, my equipment was always very simple. I did a lot of architectural work in my life, and I shot lots of different formats, lots of medium format, four by five, um, you know, uh, cameras and so forth. But all my work on 66 was all done with 35 millimeter. And it, there was nothing fancy, nothing special. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, the big thing is, is, you know, in the first, in, in, in the early days, I didn't even want to use a tripod because I thought it was cheating, you know, and, 
you know, I was kind of a purist, you know, I was kind of like a, coming out of the hippie generation, you know, you don't, you don't fake it, you know, you, <laughs> if you can't hell, hold it, man, you shouldn't take it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and right. I've learned a little since then that it's not a bad idea to use a tripod. Um, and, uh, and, and, but, but now in today's world, the other thing that I've been fooling around with a little bit, which I want to do more of, which might kind of inspire people a little bit is you can do so much with your phone. It's just mind boggling. It um, is true. You know, you don't get stuck um, kind of looking at the film and saying, ah, I've only got one more shot left. That doesn't exist in the digital era, you know, (laughs) unless you're on a space of that happening with, you know, and now, and the the other thing now is there are, I mean, if you really want to trip out, let's say, I mean, I'm, I'm a you know old kind of an old fashioned photographer the way I approach it I'm, I'm it's kind of what you see is what you get you know I don't manipulate my images hardly at all mm-hmm. I mean about as far as I ever go with it is maybe just balancing the cup the color or taking out a guy wire or a, an ugly metal bracket that was sticking right in the middle of the image mm-hmm. you know in some cases I'll remove some of those but that's about as far as I go with it. So, but now, um, particularly with phones and these amazing apps they have, I mean, you can do all these composites and and multiple images and, oh my God, my ex-wife does that and she's gotten so good at it. She gives workshops all over the world with her cell phone. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. The overall effect is, uh, is very profound. We've had other guests on the show and, and yeah, they've done some really, they've actually had two Instagram accounts. So like they'll have a regular one where they'll shoot photography in a very traditional means. And then the second Instagram will be dedicated to a more sort of liberal approach to creating. So they do what they want. They kind of add the way that they want to look and crop it and do whatever, but essentially it gives them two outlets, you know, and just having that ability to even just kind of bookmark your work, you know, it just right. was, it used to you have a catalog you go to the gallery and you throw on the table and say, here you go. But now, you know, in just a few short clicks, um, you know, the expectations are, are kind of endless. You know, you can have, you know, your cake and eat it too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and I guess the big thing, you know, as far as people just getting out there and doing it, I mean, uh, you know, the equipment's kind of secondary. I think the big thing is to have the the excitement and the, and the desire to just get out and document things or, or show your friends or however you want to approach it. You know, it's just, uh, um, it's, it's, you know, it's relatively easy. I mean, that's a real drawback for someone like myself who actually made a living doing photography most of my life. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> now when you're photographing like neon, like how did you go about um, locating them? Like when I was just thinking about what you said to put it in, in other words, how do you find, yeah, how do you find Neon? You know, when there's so much to go down the road, are you able to kind of plot out back then what you were going to do? No, I I never really plotted it out at all. I, I would just kind of wing it. And I'd see something and I'd stop and I'd shoot it. And I might get back to it another time. I might not. But uh, I was very kind of casual about the way I did it. I mean, in retrospect, I wish I'd been a little less casual you know, and been a little more deliberate, a little more serious about it. Um, 
I, I just kind of grabbed the shots as I saw them, you know, and I never yeah. really plotted things out whatsoever. Um, uh, I would just kind of go down the road and let it happen. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. And as yeah. someone, yeah. Uh, you were on the front lines of like witnessing a lot of these different changes of decades, you know, are there any significant, like, uh, like maybe, a, can you think of any dangerous situations? You know, Route 66 has this kind of aura about it, but have you ever encountered any issues while on assignment or just like trying to take photos of neon? No, I've never, I've never had any problem whatsoever. Uh, you know, I've had a couple people run me off, you know, uh, like owners of the establishment, you know, for instance, the, there's a, you, you're like, you're on the East coast, correct? Yeah. New York city. Yeah. See, some of the people I, I noticed you, you interviewed, um, are kind of LA people in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in San Bernardino, there's a, one of the original wigwams and it used to be what we called a hot sheet joint. You know, it was, you know, rooms or wigwam by the hour. Mm -hmm. And uh, I stopped there years ago to photograph it. And the lady just came out screaming at me, you know, (laughs) get out of here. But then, you know, she probably thought I was the heat, you know, that I was. uh, You're on assignment, technically. (laughs) On assignment, you know, they were trying to get rid of this eyesore, you know. It was a sting operation. Yeah, exactly. So it was, that's the worst kind of thing that's ever happened to me is when someone's run me off. But I usually try to rely on, you know, in those situations, my my personality to um, uh, kind of wiggle around those things, which usually works, not always. But. Yeah, yeah. What's, um, what's, you know, what's one thing that um, you want viewers to walk or, you know, just when they see this book, you know, they, they're looking at it. What do you, what would you like them to walk away with, you know, after seeing, you know, all the different pictures on Route 66 or anything that you can think of? Well, I just, I just hope that people, you know, really look at the images and, you know, in the book, they're not quite as dramatic as they are when they're printed or even projected in many cases. But, um, um, I would just love for them to kind of come away with a real feel of of of, of the road and and the history, you know what what it represented, you know, and uh, uh, that to me means a lot. Like I deliberately tried to uh, kind of give a feel, even though I didn't want to be all nostalgia, as I mentioned before. I I wanted to give a feel for the highway that was totally separate from the interstate system, you know, because the interstate system was the, you know, the death blow to half of rural America and Western, particularly Western America, well, all over the country, you know, it just sucked the life out of uh, so many little communities and and businesses and so forth. And that I experienced kind of, that that comes through in the book a little bit too, not specifically with Neon, but with some of the, some of the places I photographed that I called mom and pop, you know, that there were some real classic uh, cafes and, and uh, that type of thing that basically disappeared, you know, when the interstates really took hold. And, and that to me is very, very sad because now you travel down the road and, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't know where to eat. And, you know, there might be a good local restaurant somewhere, but you don't know where it is. And, 
and you end up going to um, a chain or a corporate place, you know, just so you know you're not going to get stung. And mm -hmm. uh, to me, that it takes a lot of the fun out of uh, uh, of the way the way we used to travel more on on uh, pre-interstate America, let's say. And, uh, and but the route was like at its peak was diners and motels and uh you know just just think about it too i was looking a little bit just kind of doing my history in a little bit and i, I picked out a, a neon sign that i liked a lot was the doghouse drive-in which was like a hot dog joint uh for oh, 60 yeah, years yeah. yeah and this dog is like chomping on a string of sausages it's all neon and it's all right. animated and uh, it's actually gained some wider exposure. It was uh, one of the filming locations for um, Breaking Bad. So that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been an institution there for a long time. Yeah. Is there anyone that sticks out for you that you think people should if you're ever in the area? Um, I'm just trying to think now about... Um, well, there's a couple things in Albuquerque, for instance. Um, Alvado which is an old motel from 37, I think, uh, hmm. has been restored and they restored their sign. And that's a beautiful sign of an Indian. It's, it's, um, it, it's really gorgeous. And luckily they saved that and restored it. And they restored the whole property. Um, uh, that's really nice. And, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of other things that really stand out. Um, well, of course, it, even this was mentioned in one of your earlier um, um, interviews was the uh, Roy sign out in uh, the middle of the Mojave at Amboy that they just lit that up again. And I haven't been over there, but one of my favorite photographs in the book is of Roy's without the sign being lit, of course. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, it, it, that's really exciting, you know, that, that some of these are coming back and it's bringing people in and you know, the, the downside to that, well, excuse me, I'm kind of jumping around here. You mentioned which one oh, kind good. of struck me or strike me, you know, still being uh, really special. And, um, um, you know, it's constantly changing, but Albuquerque, Alvado's got good stuff. Tucumcari's got some great stuff. The Blue Swallow, obviously everybody goes there. TP Curios, I mean, there's stuff all along the road, even into Missouri, you know, the Munger Moss Motel. And, um, and then even even getting into L.A., you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, there's a few things still hanging around. And uh, um, uh, I guess my I guess my best comment about this is it might, you know, it might affect the future of a lot of these signs and i think it's really important and i think the one group you had on um um signs oh, yeah, United, the, uh, signs United, United, yeah. yeah they make this point and i think they have a really really good one is and this is what's happening um what's happened just on 66 specifically that i can think of Four, four or five signs that were taken in the last nine months uh, out of these small towns like Santa Rosa and Grants, for instance, uh, uh, that it should have never left the town. 
you know, because these these were gorgeous signs that brought people into these little towns and were just made them even more special, you know, to travelers. And and then it, it and then it also illustrated the history of the highway so well. And uh, and you know, the, there are people buying these, and I don't mean. I think historically it was more sign collectors or people dealing in signs, you know, which isn't all bad, but there's a point where, I think this is a really important point. There's a point where you've got to stop and think about what you're doing and ultimately where these signs are going and how important these signs are to communities, not just to be relit somewhere, uh, but, but to ideally, uh, stay in the communities that they originally were built for. Um, yeah. And and what's happening, and I've, I've never gotten to the bottom of it. I've heard lots of different stories, but there's this big auto group in Albuquerque, and I won't miss, um, I won't mention any names, but, you know, they, it, they got a ton of money. Mm-hmm. They've got like 10 dealerships or something all over New Mexico. And they're the ones that have been grabbing most of these signs in New Mexico. Yeah. Well, I think now, it's also what, like a joint effort on the, on the part of the, I guess the, uh, the community as well to kind of hold our, hold their hand up and say, like I said, I think, you know, you mentioned too, is that uh, what, what essentially these signs did for those communities, part of what's putting them back together is those things that make them special. And I think locating the words for that is tough, but how do you find the, uh, financial means to to put them back together, you know. And we always think of them as, oh, well, they're decades past and they'll always be there. But that's not always the case. And the significance of that is that, you know, those communities obviously need to show, I guess, a, uh, you know, that those things matter. And and I think it's a source of inspiration for a lot of other future signs that may or may not be in the midst of trying to, you know, be put to. Uh, you know, the, the, not necessarily the chopping block, but the auction block. And so I think it's a good thing to mention, you know, the difficulties in trying to save a community can be huge, but those signs can really uh, revive. Like you mentioned, Roy's, I think it's given it a completely new life, you know, especially that area. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and it's true all along the road. You know, I think everyone like in Santa Rosa where they lost two or three really cool signs this year, I think they were all in shock. You know the 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 people that cared about Santa Rosa and were doing other things. They were you know good things in the community. I think these people just came in with their big cherry picker and boom, they were gone. You know in an hour, and and no mm-hmm. one really realized you know what was happening until it was too late. And and uh, uh, and you know the park service too, um, because sixty six is a U.S. Uh, a national historic highway they put a lot of money into matching funds, you know, to restore a lot of signs. And some of those signs now have been sold. So the park service has to kind of tighten up their rules. I mean, right now they're out of money, you know, but if, if 66 becomes um, a national historic trail, which it appears it will be, then there'll be other funding, you know, to help, to help in these, in these areas. But, um, you know, they have to kind of tighten their act up too. say, if we're going to give you X amount of dollars to restore the sign, then it's got to stay in the community. And I think, Absolutely. I think the park service has kind of realized that because they lost a lot of signs that they put a lot of money into that should have never left the communities. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, of course, in most cases, you know, these signs don't have any, any, any over oversight by, for instance, the National Park Service. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty unique situation. But even yeah. Royce would probably fall into that category because it's technically on the National Scenic Highway that's part of the Mojave Preserve. I don't know technically if Royce is in it, but it's surrounded by it. Mm-hmm. You know, and but, I think but, also too, you you've clearly made us all uh, experts on this subject, even just in the limited amount of time that you spend. And and I think anybody that you know, definitely uh, our listeners, if you haven't checked it out, please go. And at least, you know, go online, search it 66 on 66. You can pick it up, uh, you know, online. Terrence, where can they get the book? Uh, they, they could buy it through many bookstores, um, uh, even on my website, which I'll give you quickly. You can buy it through the website. Uh, you can also go directly to Amazon. Uh, okay. In my, may what's I the just, best way? How can I, they benefit you? Though? Like, what's if it's going to go directly to impact you? What's the best way to get it? Like, we want to support you. Well, thank you. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a big stack of books sitting here. I wish I did, um, and I'm, I'm hoping to, to uh, replenish my supply, and, and then they could, they could certainly get it from me directly. You know, by just going to my website, and I, and I can, you know, inscribe it, sign it, whatever, you know, which makes it a little nicer than buying it from uh, Amazon. Yeah. Jeff Bezos doesn't need them. Done. Money, We're right? gonna absolutely. We're going straight to you, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> but and I, also your Instagram account too. You can find you on uh, your handle. Yeah, if they just look up Terrence Moore, T E R R E N C E M O O R E dot com or Terrence Moore Photography, I'll come up on the web as well as on Instagram or Facebook. Fantastic. And, I appreciate yeah. you coming on the the show here and uh you know spreading the uh the news oh, about you the book. Have, I love really... it, you know, and, and for I must say, you know, for years and years and years I it, I, I always thought, you know, Terry, you should you should come and get these signs. You know, you should take them home and light up your house or, you know, they're just too cool. And then I thought, you can't do that. You know, this is thought, these are thoughts I had in some cases 34 years ago. I said, what you need to do is photograph them and yeah. preserve well, I them. Well, I love the approach and uh, I yeah, think it, it gives people like, a lot of it, access to, to your work. So great yeah, stuff. It's sort of like hunting with a camera versus a rifle. You know, you know uh, well, Terrence, thank you for, for, for all of you do. And uh, yeah, you had, thank you. I'm happy to be part of it. And uh, long live neon. And I'm, I'm going to be inspired. I'm going to go out and shoot more. I've done a lot in Tucson. I live in Tucson and uh, Tucson's full of cool stuff. Thanks, Terrence. Yeah, you bet. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up and as always, thanks for listening.